0: At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference. Like our spicy Cajun chicken sub with sliced, grilled Cajun seasoned chicken breast, melted pepper jack cheese, house-made Cajun mayo and jalapenos, all on a toasted sub roll. And it's only at Firehouse Subs. Click the banner now to start your pickup or delivery order. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 6 of Conversations with Nilou. Yes, this is second episode in a row on the same day. This is the first time I'm doing this. Um, Episode 5 was kind of a little bit all over the place, but I I really wanted to get my voice out there, content out there. Um, So hopefully you guys it through that. Uh, For episode 6, surprise... I will talk about something resourceful, actually. Uh, A book that I read, uh, I listened to it in Audible, and this was when I was living in California. And this book is called Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind by Yuval Noah Harari. This book was amazing. It was so insightful, so unique, and Yuval Noah Harari is Truly a genius. It's. It was a New York Best Times. Sorry, it was a New York Times bestseller, and this book really opened my eyes to so many things. Just understanding human beings, how we operate, um, the history of how we came about, and why we are the way we are, how we perceive the world, and how, in some way, you know, we still are animals, and um, really, really, very deep it really makes you think about a lot of things around you and question uh why we do things the way we do these days and it all links back to the way our ancestors used to live so this is a fun fantastic history of humankind uh it's very interesting you'll learn about history psychology economics it's many lessons rolled into one compelling narrative there are. There's just so much information in this book. Uh, I'm not going to be able to summarize it all in 15 minutes, but I will try. So here we go. An animal of no significance. Three important revolutions shape the course of history. The Cognitive Revolution kick-started history about 70,000 years ago. The Agricultural Revolution sped it up about 12,000 years ago. The scientific revolution, which got underway only 500 years ago, may well end history and start something completely different. This book tells the story of how these three revolutions have affected humans and their fellow organisms. The most important thing to know about prehistoric humans is that they were insignificant animals with no more impact on the environment than gorillas, fireflies, or jellyfish. Just six million years ago, a single female ape had two daughters. One became the ancestor of all chimpanzees, the other is our own grandmother. Over the generations, the people of Flores became dwarves. This unique species known by scientists as Homo floresiensis reached a maximum height of 3.5 feet and weighed no more than 55 pounds they were nevertheless able to produce stone tools and even manage occasionally to hunt down some of the island's elephants, though to be fair, the elephants were dwarf species as well. Today, there are many species of foxes, bears, and pigs. The earth of a hundred millennia ago was walked by at least six different species of man. That's interesting. Okay, it's our current Exclusivity, not that multi, not that multi-species past, that is peculiar and perhaps incriminating. Mammals weighing 130 pounds have an average brain size of 12 cubic inches. The earliest men and women, 2.5 million years ago, had brains of about 36 cubic inches. Modern sapiens sport a brain averaging 30, 73 to 85 cubic inches, Neanderthal brains were even bigger. Well, wow. well, you thought, you know, bigger brains mean you're smarter, but well, um, okay. now I'm being biased. In Homo sapiens, the brain accounts for about 2 to 3% of total body weight, but it consumes 25% of the body's energy when the body is at rest. Humankind ascended to the top so quickly that the ecosystem was not given time to adjust. Since long intestines and large brains are both massive energy consumers, it's hard to have both. Well, no surprise there. By shortening the intestines and decreasing their energy consumption, cooking inadvertently opened the way to jumbo brains of Neanderthals and Sapiens. Very interesting. So here we go. This is the tree of knowledge. Tolerance is not a Sapiens trademark. In modern times, a small difference in skin color, dialect, or religion has been enough to prompt one group of sapiens to set about exterminating another group. Would ancient sapiens have been more tolerant towards, a, towards an entirely different human species? It may well be that when sapiens encountered Neanderthals, the result was the first and most significant ethnic cleansing campaign in history. So, <laughs> yeah, that is unfortunate, but I think we're definitely... Evolving and getting better Uh, The appearance of new ways of thinking and communicating Between 70,000 and 30,000 years ago Constitutes the cognitive revolution Our language evolved as a way of gossiping Well, that explains a lot Such myths give sapiens the unprecedented ability To cooperate flexibly in large numbers Sapiens can cooperate in extremely flexible ways With countless number of strangers That's why sapiens rule the world Whereas ants eat our leftovers and chimps are locked up in zoos and research laboratories. Not saying that's a good thing, but observation. Sociological research has shown that the maximum natural size of a group bonded by gossip is about 150 individuals. There are no gods in the universe, no nations, no money, no human rights, no laws, and no justice outside the common imagination of human beings. No one was lying when, in 2011... United Nations demanded that the Libyan government respect the human rights of its citizens, even though UN, Libya, and the human rights are all figments of our fertile imaginations. Just observation, right? The real difference between us and chimpanzees is the mythical glue that binds together large numbers of individuals, families, and groups. This glue has made us the masters of creation. So here we go into um, analogy of a day in life of Adam and Eve. There are even number of present-day human cultures in which collective fatherhood is practiced. As, for example, among the Barry Indians. This is really interesting. According to the beliefs of such societies, a child is not born from the sperm of a single man, but from the accumulation of a sperm in a woman's womb. A good mother will make a point of having sex with several different men, especially when she's pregnant so that her child will enjoy the qualities and paternal care, not merely of the best hunter, but also of the best storyteller, the strongest warrior and the most considerate lover. If this sounds silly, bear in mind that before the development of the modern embryological studies, people had no solid evidence that babies are always sired by a single father rather than many. Many scholars vehemently reject this theory, insisting that monogamy and the forming of nuclear families are core human behaviors. The Stone Age should more accurately be called the Wood Age, because most of the tools used by ancient hunter-gatherers were made of wood. The heated debates about Homo sapiens' natural way of life Missed the point. Ever since the cognitive revolution, there hasn't been a single natural way of life for sapiens. There are only cultural choices from among a bewildering palette of possibilities. Very, very interesting. So just keeping track of time, we still have about six minutes left. Okay, so let me see if I can cover some of the uh, interesting points from the book. Average life expectancy was apparently just 30 to 40 years, but this was due... largely to the high incidence of child mortality. Children who made it through the perilous first years had a good chance of reaching the age of 60 and some even made it to their 80s. Ancient foragers also suffered less from infectious diseases. Most of the infectious diseases that have plagued agricultural industrial societies as smallpox, measles, and tuberculosis originated in domesticated animals and were transferred to humans only after agricultural revolution this kind of ties into the whole pandemic as well due to the wet market practices um you know this virus evolved and got transferred to human beings but it came from this ancient way of doing things which should be discontinued which is trying to eat exotic animals um well looks like this has been happening for quite some time so next um the topic of the flood Of the 24 Australian animal species weighing 100 pounds or more, 23 became extinct. But no longer. Within 2,000 years of the sapiens' arrival, human beings, most of these unique species were gone. According to current estimates, within the short interval, North America lost 34 out of its 47 genera of large mammals. South America lost 50 out of 60. So, hence, uh, man being the apex predator... Um, this is something that I know we are still working on and making some improvements around. So history's greatest fraud. Wheat and goats were domesticated by approximately 9,000 BC. Peas and lentils around 8,000 BC. Olive trees by 5,000 BC. Great. (laughs) So very interesting. So this is around the time where we started actually cultivating some of these foods that we use now. Well, very long ago. I thought that this was going to be a lot more recent than that. That's interesting. So rather than heralding a new era of easy living, the agricultural revolution left farmers with lives generally more difficult and less satisfying than those of foragers. Hunter-gatherers spent their time in more stimulating and varied ways were less in danger of starvation and disease. The average farmer worked harder than the average forager and got a worse diet in return. The agricultural revolution was history's biggest fraud. The life of a peasant is less secure than that of a hunter-gatherer. Humans, like many mammals, have hormonal and genetic mechanisms that help control procreation. At good times, females reach puberty earlier, and their chances of getting pregnant are a bit higher. In bad times, puberty is late, fertility decreases. Okay, so now getting into the topic of building pyramids. Okay, so we have about three minutes. Um, Romanticism tells us that in order to make the most of our human potential we must have as many different experiences as we can. We must open ourselves to a wide spectrum of emotions. We must sample various kinds of relationships. We must try different cuisines. We must learn to appreciate different styles of music. Like the elite of ancient Egypt, most people in most cultures dedicate their lives to building pyramids. Only the names, shapes and sizes of these pyramids change. Here we go, memory overload. Between the years, 3,500 B.C. and 3,000 B.C., some unknown Sumerian gen- geniuses invented a system for storing and processing information outside their brains, one that was custom-built to handle large amounts of mathematical data. How fascinating is that? The Sumerians thereby released their social order from the limitations of human brain, opening the way of the appearance of cities, kingdoms, and empires. The data processing system invented by Sumerians is called... Drumroll... Writing... Well simple as that. The first text of history contain no philosophical insights, no poetry, legends, laws, or even royal triumphs. They are humdrum economic documents recording the payment of taxes, the accumulation of debts, and the ownership of property. That is interesting. I I did not know that and I don't remember every detail from the book, but every time I come back to it, I'm like, oh wait a minute, that's right, I forgot about information this is very very well written very well formulated I mean this guy I think he has his PhD in philosophy he is a historian so he's done a lot of research on human history and really done his work so he's captured all of his thoughts in this book next we talk about culture culture tends to argue that it forbids only that which is unnatural but from a biological perspective nothing is unnatural whatever is possible is by definition also natural a truly unnatural behavior one that goes against the laws of nature simply cannot exist so it would need no prohibition no culture has ever bothered to forbid men to photosynthesize women to run faster than the speed of light or negatively charge electrons to be attracted to each other okay interesting way of formulating those thoughts together now going into the arrow of history Let me see if we have time, so we have about one minute left. Alright, so cognitive dissonance is often considered a failure of the human psyche. In fact, it is a vital asset. Had people been unable to hold contradictory beliefs and values, it would probably have been impossible to establish and maintain any human culture. The scent of money. In a barter economy, every day the shoemaker and the apple girl will have to learn anew the relative prices of dozens of commodities. And more than 90% of all money—more than 50, 50 trillion appearing in our accounts—exists only on computer servers. Imperial vision first to qualify for that designation you have to rule over a significant number of distinct peoples each possessing a different cultural identity and a separate territory so i think now we're talking the psychology of power okay so i've touched base on many really interesting key points um, that you all talks about in his book, I don't have time to cover everything. But again, uh, these were some of the notes from you all know uh, Harari's book, *Sapiens: A Brief uh, History on Humankind*. Please check it out. Also on Audible, it's an amazing book. Thank you for listening. Take care.